At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Run Line, VSIN's premier baseball betting show. With Adam Burke, here's Ben Wilson. Hi, everybody, and welcome in. It is the Father's Day edition of the Run Line from downtown Las Vegas, our Circa Sportsbook Studios. From VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, with Adam Burke, our daily MLB writer. I'm Ben Wilson. Jason Kahn, our producer behind the glass. Adam, yet another week of baseball action is in the books. Always such a special day, too. Father's Day with the U.S. Open golf wrapping up, full baseball card, Adam. Great to be with you on yeah. the desk, too. Great to be with you as well, man. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there, especially my father, who's tuned in for today. Oh, and, uh, look at that. You know, wow. I, I got to say, I guess I'll keep it baseball since this is a baseball, baseball show. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure you got great memories of, of playing sports with your dad as well. And, and, you know, we'd go to the top of the hill by my house with a view of downtown Cleveland, actually. And it would come off work, didn't matter how much his back hurt, didn't matter how tired he was. You know, we'd wind up going up to the top of the hill. He he would hit me fly balls until it got dark out. And the unfortunate thing for him is that I thought I had the arm of Vladimir Guerrero, so I would just be firing the balls back to him, and he'd his shins would get all beaten up. He'd have to go chase the ball, but uh, you know, he never complained. And you know what? I I got my dad's work ethic as well, and I'm sitting in this chair because of him. So. Happy Father's Day to my dad, Larry, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there as that, well. That, that is a great sentiment to start the show with. I would say, because I always think in the it, comparing baseball to Father's Day, I just start thinking of, all right, what, was, what were first games I remember that my dad took me to? You'll love this, Adam. May 7th, 2000, Montreal Expos, Milwaukee Brewers, County Stadium. Two of those three, three things I just mentioned don't exist anymore. Uh, the one stadium, one team. But we watched... We watched Dustin Hermanson get absolutely okay. lit up on a Sunday afternoon. There were maybe 10,000 people there. That's the first game I remember my, my parents taking me to. And uh, Jimmy Haynes got the win that day as Davey Lopes's Milwaukee Brewers went to 11-20 and 20 on an otherwise unforgettable 2000 season. So that's, all, that's, my, that's my memory. Some elite facial hair on Dustin Hermanson throughout the course <laughs> of his career as well. Uh, I just remember uh, it was, there was one player in particular who hit a a RBI double, who it was his first at-bat in the major leagues that season, who was one for one. They flashed his average on the board. I was a little kid. I'd never seen somebody with a 1,000 average, and I thought, this guy, this guy must be, like, the best player ever. And it was just, like, an amazing thing. And uh, my dad had to explain to me as a six-year-old, yeah, he's, he's one for one. That's not that big of a deal. Do you remember who it was? Uh, I have this box score, luckily for you, pulled up right now. It was the Mad Dog, Mark Sweeney. Okay. Not, not, not Mike Sweeney, Mark Sweeney, yes. the Padres analyst. So... Mike Sweeney, great career. Mike Sweeney, much better baseball (laughs) player. Mark Sweeney, very good baseball analyst who had a, you know, brief career. So, anyway, 
We didn't think we'd get a county stadium reference today, Adam, but we did. Oh, or, or a Dustin happy, Hermanson reference. Or, so the show is off and running. Happy Father's the Day. There are a lot of other headlines <laughs> to talk about, though. It's not just Father's Day. Uh, we have a number of things to discuss. And probably the biggest uh, thing, Adam, we had two pretty significant injuries this week among National League West teams, starting with the team at the top of that division in the Los Angeles Dodgers, who have been joined now by the San Diego Padres, those two going back and forth. Mookie Betts hits the 15-day IL with a cracked rib. This not only impacts, Adam, what we're seeing in the NL West race, but as well the MVP markets where you saw Mookie Betts go from a 20-25 to 1 shot all the way down to the favorite heading into this week. Some shops low is a plus 253 to 1. Here he hits the shelf, and after a great surge for Betts playing throughout the months of May and into June so far until the injury, how do you cap now this race in what was already viewed to be pretty wide open to begin with now that Betts here hits the shelf? Yeah, and it's not even just bets. It's another one of the Bs on that Dodgers team as well with Walker Bueller, who's now out for, what, three months with that flexor tendon issue. And, you know, look, this is the one thing that can really hurt an elite-level team like a Dodgers, like a Yankees, somebody like that, are players getting hurt, you know? And and with bets, I mean, the offense is definitely good enough to overcome something like that, but still, we were talking about a, an MVP-caliber player, as you mentioned. This offense, over the last three or four weeks, has kind of been up and down a little bit. We really haven't seen a whole lot of consistency from the Dodgers offensively or really on the pitching side you know and now Bueller is going to be out the Betts injury is a big one as well but also too something from that series not NL West related though they don't seem overly concerned but Jose Ramirez going for an MRI on his thumb hasn't played the last two days the Guardians are off tomorrow so he'll get another day off but supposed to get some MRI results on that here soon and obviously you know I mean he means everything to that Guardians team. So right. you know, for Jose Ramirez, we'll, we'll wait and see, and we'll keep our fingers crossed on that one as well. So big players impacting the markets in MVP. Also, that will have impacts on these divisional races. And not only was it a couple of Dodgers you talked about in the NL West, but we even saw today Manny Machado, uh, who, as you, I know, have, you have described in your daily newsletter, he's basically been everything to the San Diego team. Sounds like x-rays negative on an ankle sprain for Machado. So he'll certainly be day-to-day, -day, not sure the extent of the injury beyond that. We just know that uh, the report's coming after he left the game in the first inning today of an 8-3 loss for the Padres. Uh, X-rays negative on his left ankle sprain. But uh, regardless, a Padre team that has certainly been bolstered by, I would say, competent managing this year for Bob Melvin, a tremendous amount of talent. But they've also had, had their holes in the roster at times, too. And Machado's done a lot to patch up and, and patch up uh, glue the glue some of the holes that have at least been open especially without Fernando Tatis who still is yet to make his season debut yeah and they had some bad news about Fernando Tatis this week as well they did a CT scan and he wasn't ready to resume baseball activities and you know, like they're much better defensively without Tatis but offensively he is a significant piece for that team and the other significant piece has been Manny Machado I mean Luke Voigt's been swinging it better of late Eric Hosmer is actually hitting the ball in the air a little bit this year which is a huge upgrade for him but between Hosmer and Machado, they were really carrying this Padres offense for the most part. Other guys would kind of chime in. You know, Kim is a guy that walks a lot. He's had some really good plate appearances against lefties. But it's really been the Manny Machado show for this team. And, you know, Machado, no fracture, but it looked pretty bad. I know that. So x-rays were negative. We'll see what the follow-up MRIs look like. You hope all the tendons are intact and all of that. But it seems like at least, you know, a few weeks here for Machado where, you know, when you're trying to – chase down or stay ahead of a team like the Dodgers you know any significant injury is going to be really concerning perhaps fortunately for them the Dodgers that we just talked about have some of their own but that Machado one 
it looked really bad. So hopefully it's not as bad as it looked. But you know that's definitely a hold your breath kind of moment for the Padres and their fans. Right, a guy hitting 329, 12 homers, 46 runs driven Elite in. Elite player in, defensively. In, yeah, and yep. 65 games to start for the Padres. I was throwing out, I was on Danny Burke's show, the uh, the Bet on Chicago radio show over the weekend, and I was, even before these injuries came out, and I'm thinking, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., is that not a guy to look at, NL MVP market, whose number is about to get a whole lot shorter? Easy to say now that we have not one, but two pretty significant pieces in that race going down, but is, isn't that a guy you have to like at this point, at least to, at least from a value perspective, who you can still, uh, at least was at least in the mid-teens as of a couple days ago? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, too, you know, we talk about this all the time and and it's something that I know you and I both hate, but the MVP also becomes a team award. You know, you you have to have a team right. that's really good. And the nice thing for the Braves is they ripped off that 14 game winning streak to get back within striking distance of the Mets, who they are still trailing by five and a half games, but they're back in that discussion. They're back in that picture with Acuna having a lot to do with that. So absolutely him. And I mean, Paul Goldschmidt just continues to rake for the St. Louis Cardinals. So you know, I mean, the Cardinals are tied with the Brewers right now. The Brewers have had a really rough go of it, as you know all too well. But, I mean, right now, you, you look at that, and I mean, outside of Acuna and Goldschmidt, I mean, what, does you know? Do, does Pete Alonso rip off a big second half? Is it Bryce Harper that has a big second half? You know, unless one of those two guys really stands out, it looks like it's a two-horse race between Acuna and Goldschmidt if they both stay healthy. And been a remarkable year, too, for Goldschmidt, who, keep in mm -hmm. mind, was in a lot of shops, 50-1 to 1 or even longer when the season began. Acuna, even despite the injury, was still in that 10-1 to 1 range when things started, at least when the odds were released here in the offseason. So those are some big developments to watch out for as we sit here on June the 19th, 2022. Also some significant developments more on a more general league-wide perspective, Adam, and that's because... We, we talked about this at the very start of the season when we did our season previews. We kind of forgot about it because the season, you know, you get into the day-to-day -day grind of the handicap. But here we are, and as a result of the truncated spring training, the way things happen coming out of the lockout with such a short buildup, the MLB, they adjusted some of the roster limitations, and specifically with pitchers where uh, you, were, you were allowed to have more pitchers than normal on your, uh, on your traditional 40-man roster. But that is now going back to what we usually see 13 pitcher limits for these rosters, Adam, starting on Monday. And not going to come as any surprise to see that 10, uh, I should say 19 different teams out of the 30 in the major leagues are over that current 13 pitcher limit. 10 of those 19 teams uh, average less than five innings pitched per start. So you got to think, Adam, that I know you've been all over this, that there are going to be some adjustments here in the betting market as a result come Monday. Yeah, this is a huge deal. And I think this probably kind of flew under the radar a little bit. It hasn't been talked a whole lot about, at least not that I've seen. But as you said, Starting tomorrow, teams can only have 13 pitchers on their active 26-man roster. And look, with the specialization in the game, you know, a lot of these teams aren't really asking their starters to do a whole lot. This is something we've talked, I don't know how much on this show, about the White Sox and their you know, AL Central chances and all of that. And one of the things I'm really concerned with about the Minnesota Twins is that they do not get length from their starting rotation. In fact, they basically have five starting pitchers on IL, some of those guys long-term. What Rocco Baldelli has done really effectively is he's leveraged those extra arms out of that bullpen to where you know, they've kind of been able to get four innings per start and then just let the bullpen kind of figure it out the rest of the way. Now that you're going down to 13 pitchers, that's probably going to be five starters, six for some teams. You know, the Padres have been running a six-man rotation, the Angels as well, but that only means you've got eight relievers at your disposal. And with the specialization of the game, with paying more attention to the third time through the order penalty and all of that, the fewer bullpen arms you have back there, the harder it's going to be for some of these teams. 
especially now that we're into the dog days of summer where you get some of that arm fatigue and all of that. So this is a really, really big development. I think it will help increase scoring. And there are some teams out there, and I'll write about this tomorrow in the Daily Article, there are some teams out there that will be much more impacted by this than others. You can look to the we we you I mean I tweeted this out the other day. Jason R. R. Martinez did a good breakdown on Twitter of the breaking it down by team. Who is going to have to remove at least one guy from the roster? What some of the underlying stats are for those teams? Comparing it to the teams who are already in good shape, who are at the thirteen limit right now and will not have to remove an extra pitcher. So that that is something fascinating to watch. And as we've seen, we'll talk about this in a second when we return because it seems like there's been more baseball shenanigans and chicanery by the league. And in a season where we've, got, we've had totals go way up and way down, this could be yet another uh, notch in the belt there, Adam, as we see things go back and forth. Dustin Hermanson, chicanery. Look at, look at this. What a, what a first segment that was. I try to never disappoint, Adam. I hope I, <laughs> I hope I did my part at least in segment number one. We'll talk about some of the baseballs, because there was a very interesting pitcher quote this week. Uh, from an interesting name. We'll discuss that next. Also update you on what's going on in Sunday Night Baseball, White Sox and Astros. We'll also get to the regression report. That's all still to come here on The Run Line. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can play ball at the Peacock MLB Sunday leadoff challenge. Just draft your players and compete for free for up to $10,000 in prizes. Visit DraftKings.com. Slash Peacock for more info. Don't just watch your shows, Peacock them. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. As Adam Burke and myself, Ben Wilson, just had a lovely spirited discussion about the historical platoon splits of one Jose Hernandez during the last break. That's the kind of discussions we have here on the run line. V-SIN's premier baseball betting show, Adam. So thank you for indulging me on that talk. Like I said, I mean, I'm a nerd. I know it. I get it. This is a baseball show for nerds. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, Jose Hernandez. Uh, Strike the guy's a human windmill, but you know, hit lefties well. <laughs> human wind that's a term I haven't heard before. Human windmill to describe guys who fan and miss a lot of baseballs. He certainly did that over his distinguished MLB career. We were talking before the break, speaking of baseballs physically, there was and again, we've had a season where we had basically no runs at the start of the season, and then it seemed like teams could not stop scoring after balls were adjusted to. Very interesting uh, tweet from a couple days ago. This was reported by uh, Ben Verlander, where Michael Lorenzen, after an outing, he, he hit Justin Upton in the head. That was the, the, the at-bat that a lot of 
uh, people saw because it's not all that often, I guess a little bit more often these days, where you see a pitcher hit a guy in the head. And, and they asked the pitcher in question here, Michael Lorenzen, about this after the game. And he says, I don't know what Major League Baseball is, is playing with these baseballs, but that fully slipped out of my hand. It's just crazy. All of a sudden, they're going to change the balls. I know Kevin Gausman had an issue in Toronto. This is what Michael Lorenzen is saying here. It's a league-wide thing. These baseballs are slick. They did get someone hurt. So that's on Major League Baseball for sure. I don't know what going, what's going on. These baseballs are straight out of the package. Every single one of them, you can throw them all out if you want. It started last night. It looks like lead-wide. It looks like a planned operation, which is ridiculous. That is from a Major League pitcher, Adam. Now, you could say on the one hand, well, that's just an excuse for hitting a guy in the head. But, my, but when you are that candid as a pitcher and you go that deep in an explanation, th- this does not seem like just some pitcher conspiracy thing that he's trying to, to say just to get him off the hook for getting a, a, hitting a guy in the head. This seems like something more, more deep, at least if I'm you know, interpreting this quote correctly here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the interesting thing about this Lorenzen discussion is, well, he didn't pitch well in the game, first of all, but this was a direct response to hitting Justin Upton. This had nothing to do with the fact that he didn't pitch particularly well. But the night before, Angels reliever Ryan Tapera, they the umpire threw him back a ball. He looked at it, and he threw it off to the side. The umpire that, yeah. threw him another ball. He looked at it, <laughs> threw it off to the side again. So obviously there were some issues going on with the baseballs in Seattle, I don't know if this is maybe isolated to Seattle or not, but as Lorenzen mentioned, Kevin Gosman had, Gosman had the same thing happen in his game. So I don't know if, I mean, because we've talked about there's kind of this arbitrary start date where offense kind of flipped the switch around May 14th. I don't know if there's something different going on with the storage of the balls with the humidors, if something has changed with that, if they're not mudding up the baseballs the way that they're supposed to. And we'll talk in the second hour of today's show about some things that are happening in the minor leagues where they were testing yeah. out different grip substances and all of that. But this is a significant issue. And you look at last year and you talk about, you know, taking away foreign substances, umpires checking for them, all of that. Hitters knew that this was going on and nobody really talked about it for this exact reason. They were okay with a guy having some grip on the ball. So they didn't get hit in the head. So now you get a scenario where fortunately Justin Upton was okay, but now this becomes another big talking point for major league baseball where you know, the balls are, are clearly inconsistent, not only in the way that they're prepared for the game, but also in the way that they're being made. Uh, you know, it's very frustrating for us as betters, to say the least. But, you know, for Lorenzen, as you said, to be as candid about it as he was, um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad somebody said something. And I wonder if more pitchers are going to follow suit. I, and I would think a lot of this is it, it's frustrating for these mm-hmm. for pitchers. You look like the bad guy when you're you're hitting guys in the head and you're causing, you know, you have the potential, you're throwing a fastball 99 miles an hour, you can cause pretty serious damage. So we will see what the outcome of that is. If there are any changes, we aren't going to, you know, it's going to be very hard to quantify in a day-to-day betting market. We still mention these things though, just because you, you want to have the context of all these things to, in your head, even if it's not necessarily affecting how you bet on team A or team B or, or specific game lines in particular, but we'll see what, what the Major League Baseball powers that be do to this, at least in the game we're seeing right now. You have something more on yeah, this? I, I want to mention this, too, because the one thing that I noticed, and maybe this is just anecdotal, maybe it's some recency bias kind of kind of filtering in here, but we know that T-Mobile Park in Seattle is a, an extreme pitcher's park, and it has been for a long period of time. But when offense flipped in May, I do remember thinking to myself, man, there's a lot of high-scoring games, and not only were they high-scoring, it was like Mariners versus A's. It was like two offenses that are not particularly good. So... It makes me wonder if there have been some things going on there. And obviously, I don't know this. And I don't want to you know, openly be a conspiracy theorist here on the show or anything like that. But it does seem strange to me that 
that was a park where offense showed up almost immediately in the middle of the month. Now you get this scenario where the balls are apparently not being prepared properly or something like that, you know, because there are you know people at the ballpark that are kind of responsible for overseeing the way that the baseballs are handled, the storage of them, and all of that. So, you know, I don't know if uh, somebody's cutting corners in Seattle or, or what the case may be, but it does seem strange to me that there appear to be now two pretty clear situations there where things have been a little bit different than maybe they've been league-wide. Yeah, no, it is interesting. I, uh, thanks for clarifying. You're, you're not a conspiracy theorist. You're just a guy who loves baseball and the right. deep, the deep divey stats of it. And now we'll, we'll, it remains to be seen what will happen. This is a game, though, I was going to transition here to Sunday Day Baseball to give a quick update on what's going on here because you could have, at least based on the pitchers predicted, we would probably have more control with the baseballs in a, a more of a pitcher's duel type outing. And that's exactly what we're getting. White Sox, Astros rounding out the week. Sunday night baseball. Christian Javier absolutely dealing right now. Three and two-thirds shutout. Runner on second. Uh, nobody uh, with the two outs here in the uh, top of the fourth inning. one nothing Astros lead. They are facing Michael Kopech, who still has a sub-two ERA as we sit right now at him. It was only a Kyle Tucker single that was... Uh, it was a, a, a single that allowed Alex Bregman to score on a bad throw by A.J. Pollock in left. Or Jose Altuve, who they rather, scored Alex Bregman, went to third. So it's a one nothing game. You see some of the live markets now. Astros were about a $1.45 favorite when this thing closed. Total of seven with a little juice to the over. But uh, so far, you have to be impressed with what you're seeing out of both guys. And uh, Javier's command has been very solid, about to throw his 70th pitch. And he gets a uh, check swing. Oh, thought he offered. No. Uh, 70 pitches now through three and two-thirds here and in a full count. Yeah, so one thing to keep in mind with Minute Maid Park here is, you know, the Astros obviously are a very, very smart organization. They're very talented all the way around. They've got a lot of good pitching. But going into tonight's game, and we're one nothing here into the top of the fourth, only 7.36 runs per game scored in the 28 games at Minute Maid Park. So this has been a park that has really suppressed offense so far this season. Houston games are much more high-scoring when they get them out on the road. Uh, you know, we've kind of talked about them a little bit. They throw a lot of top-shelf fastballs. They force a lot of weak aerial contact, a lot of pop-ups, stuff like that. Teams don't really drive the ball that well there at the juice box. Now, it's a very different venue when the roof is open. It's just that the rules for keeping the roof closed are, are pretty easy to reach. I think it's like 85 degrees, something like that. That's really not a hard number to get to in Houston mm -hmm. throughout the course of the baseball season. So when the roof is closed at Minute Maid Park, this is a very, very good pitcher's park. So despite all the big names on this Houston team in this lineup, uh, offense has been very tough to come by in this venue throughout the course are, are of the there, season. Are there simple resources you look at for the parks that have, like an American Family Field, retractable roof, you just mm -hmm. talked about Minute Maid, that, where you can find easily as a better if the roof is going to be open or closed? Like, Is that a thing? Because I've never even thought to look at that, to be honest with you. Some teams are much better about updating it than others. Um, you know, typically for me, it's just kind of a Google search of you know, is the roof open at Minute Maid Park? Is the roof open at American Family Field? And, <laughs> I love and that. hope That's a that great I strategy. get well, yeah. and hope that I get some kind of result. I know the Astros have like a daily blog that they update, okay. where it basically just says roof is open, roof is closed. You know, just someone so, someone, someone gets paid a lot of money to do that. Someone start a Twitter account. Just, um, is the Astros roof open today? Yes. No. Yeah. Right. Be, it'd be great, be great if great someone would do that. So yeah, for the listeners out there, if you want to become good friends with Ben and I, just go ahead and <laughs> well, start that Twitter account. Adam will buy you a drink the next time Absolutely. you're in Vegas. If you uh, go ahead and do them. that. For a us. few yeah. right here at the at the Mega Bar at, yeah. at Circa. Um, exactly. But it, it is something that you absolutely do want to try to look at. And as I said, I mean, a lot of these ones are going to be pretty obvious. You know, if there's rain around or if it's hot, they're not going to open it. But also, too, I think something that's really kind of intriguing is 
the retractable roof stadiums were the first ones to get humidors outside of Coors Field. And of course, Chase Field's retractable roof too, mm-hmm. but that was the second one to get it. But they put them in you know, Miami. They put them in Milwaukee. They put them in Houston. They put them in these retractable roof venues, Seattle as well, I think, to try to neutralize that environment, whether it's open or closed. And uh, I don't know, maybe that kind of backfired on them a little bit in Houston. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, well, at least in this game, Christian Javier, gem so far, gets out of the fourth inning. Just one hit allowed. No runs through four as the Astros go. I'm seeing as high as a minus 360 money line favorite. Five and a half now live total. Uh, Sox and Astros there. Any thoughts you would have uh, in game here, Adam? No, I just have one thought on Michael Kopech where he had a really bad start. I believe it was in Toronto. He had an awful start up there. He got shelled. He got knocked around very, very early in that game. He had nine days off prior to that game. They skipped his turn in the rotation. Otherwise, he's been outstanding. So it's important to look at those game logs, understand the situations of he hadn't pitched in a while. He was just rusty, didn't have his command, got knocked around. And all of his other starts, he's been really, really good. So that's definitely one you can draw a line through and not worry about. Interesting. Well, he's looking good so far, and Kopech has just allowed uh, the one run. So one nothing in that game. We'll keep tabs on it as we go along. Two teams at the at least near the top of the odds boards while the White Sox are not at the top of their division. That's another conversation that we'll continue to have because we've been having it throughout the run of this show on the run line. But when we return, we'll talk a little regression report. Which teams does Adam have his eye on for maybe some negative regression? Spoiler alert, maybe the best team in baseball has some signs of regression coming. We'll discuss next here on the run line. You found VEASAN's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born at the Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 plus only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Back on the run line with Adam Burke. I'm Ben Wilson. Thanks to all the crew behind the glass making this show work our producer jason Kahn, technical director andrew ingold and we're trying to figure out pronunciations during the break adam because it's very rare that we will see something happen in a 2022 major league baseball game that causes adam burke to say who is this guy basically the the Vern lundquist uh, happy gilmore line here of the who the hell is happy gilmore and adam you just did that with uh, you can say his name jj <laughs> Matashevic. Who hits a solo homer <laughs> nice, to the Crawford nice. boxes here? As a play-by-play uh, guy, I appreciate yeah. I appreciate the amount of work you just went into finding out his. Oh, I, I was panicking. We had like forty-five seconds left, so we're coming <laughs> like, back from break. I'm guy? like, who is this guy? Solo homer. Uh, the, the Crawford wow. boxes homer, three hundred and forty-three feet. His first major league hit also ends up being a major league home run here that uh, makes the Astros wow. a two-nothing lead with two outs in the bottom of the fourth. Go figure. Michael Kopech did not think he'd be giving up a long ball to that guy. J.J. the drafted twice. Second rounder in 2017 by the Astros out of University of Arizona. And you were just in oh. Tucson today. I was just in so, Tucson. So uh, very, very happy people, I I'm sure, right down in Tucson. by uh, High Corbett Field, home of the uh, Arizona Wildcats. And Tucson, formerly, I think still, Tucson Sidewinders. I don't know if that's still, no, that's not a thing anymore. The old Tucson Sidewinders okay. of AAA. Now they move that team to Reno. But that does lead into my stat of the week here, Adam, that we just naturally happen to have a guy in Sunday Night Baseball first career hit a home run. Uh, Herrera Encarnacion and Buddy Kennedy each hit a grand slam for their first career home runs today. That, that was a thing that just happened. It is the second time in Major League Baseball history, Adam, that two players have done that on the same day, hit grand slams for their first career Major League home runs. 
Do you want to guess the year that uh, that it happened in the players? Oh, we're gonna do this again. I I only bring what, what these, were the names. I uh, this so this was today. Buddy Kennedy, uh, Herrar Encarnacion. Okay. So that was today. Okay. This I'll give you the year. This is re- this this year hint's really gonna help everybody out. All right, you ready? Yeah. Nineteen twenty-one. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. Yep. George Eula and Ralph Miller on April twenty-eighth, nineteen. I'd have been so close. You were so, definitely going to name oh, yeah. somebody, some Miller. I was, I was thinking yeah. Roaring Twenties all the way. You were definitely thinking no. Roaring Twenties. Okay. Uh, that's a great segue, I guess, into the regression report. <laughs> Adam, he's really regressing to the mean on getting these trivia questions right. But on the regression port this week, not a team I was expecting to see, but a team that really nobody wants to bet against right now because they've been the hottest team in baseball. They are, they are just maiming teams left and right. Uh, be, tied for the 10th best 60-game start in Major League Baseball history after a 44-16 and 16 beginning to this season. Adam, it's the New York Yankees, who right now, after, now they did lose today, a wild uh, 10-9 loss in Toronto, but still 49-17. and 17. They have opened up an 11-game lead over the Blue Jays in the AL East. They were at 12 before the loss today. 2-1 to favorites to win the American League pennant, plus 450 to win the World Series. They finally moved to co-favorites with the Dodgers now. A little surprised, to be honest, it took that long, but you think there could be some negative regression coming? Not maybe enough to you know, boot them out of the AL East uh, title contention race, but there should be maybe some signs that you're looking at. What what are those signs? I mean, look, uh, the Yankees are really, really good. Don't get me wrong, but also they're on pace to win 120 games. And, and anytime that you're on that kind of pace, especially this deep into the season, there are bound to be some things that, you know, probably aren't going to line up a whole lot. One of them being they are 12 and four this season in games where they've scored two or three runs. So we're not talking about giving up two or three runs. We're talking about games where they've scored two or three runs. And going into Friday's games, the league record, including the Yankees, was 187 and 333 when scoring two or three runs in a game. So they've won a lot of two to one, two nothing, three one, three two types of games. Could that continue? Sure. Will it continue where they're winning 12 out of every 16? No, probably not. The second thing is that they're four, they were 14-4 and four in one-run games, so, of course, they lost one here today, and we're getting real good at this. We Things are really over for the regression good. report. So you definitely, bet, uh, you, you definitely bet the exact of Blue Jays by one. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I wouldn't, wouldn't miss that opportunity <laughs> for the world, especially with UCA Kikuchi on the mound. Yeah, how, oh, how can I pass that course. one up? But look, <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're 14-5 and five one-run games, and they will probably end up being one of the better teams in baseball in one-run games because they've got a good bullpen. Clay Holmes has been great. Michael King's been great. And also, at some point, they should get you know maybe Zach Britton towards the end of the year. They'll get a Roldis Chapman back. Jonathan Loizaga should come back as well. Uh, Chad Green is out with Tommy John surgery. They will be one of the better teams in one-run games. But again, 14-5, and five, that's a pretty big outlier. This record in terms of scoring two or three runs, big outlier. So, yeah, they're still going to be really good, but they're not going to run this good. The, the hard part of all of this, of course, is trying to pinpoint the games that they will kind of slip up a little bit because they have been so good. But keep in mind, too, you know, and I know Matt Humans is going to be writing about the Yankees this week in Point Spread Weekly. They've had five starting pitchers make at least 11 starts. They've been very healthy in the starting rotation. Aaron Judge has not gotten hurt yet. Giancarlo Stanton did, but he wasn't gone all that long. They've remained pretty healthy as well with a lot with a couple of the key areas of that team. So, look, they're really good. But, I mean, an 11-game lead over a team that's 38 and 28, 
there, there are some things there that are happening that aren't going to continue. And, and I think the Yankees will start losing some of these closer games and will start losing some of the lower scoring And, games. well, Nestor Cortez, he's been one guy that I know a lot of people have looked at as to say, great story, but can this really sustain itself? A guy who sure has a 194 ERA, 349 XFIP. Now, his BAPIB is only 246. His expected ERA is only 235. And the, uh, the barrel, the hard hit percentages are very, very good. So there are, there are a lot of supporting numbers to say, you know, what he's doing, sure, is a 194 ERA sustainable? No, it hardly is for anybody, but he still should be really, really solid. Where, where do you stand on that? Because there are some, some numbers that are in the analytics category that you could look at to either support or kind of go against the case of Cortez right now. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think one thing about Nestor Cortez is he's very quirky, right? He's got a bunch of different arm angles. He's hard to pick up if you see him once. As guys like that see teams for a third, fourth, fifth time, something like that, I would expect at least the teams in his division – to start faring a little bit better against him. And then second, of course, he's only thrown over 110 innings once in his professional career. So he's already well on his way to that this season. That's something that just generally, not even just looking at the Yankees, mm-hmm. but just generally looking at these guys that are having really nice starts to the season, have they gone through the rigors of making 30 starts and throwing 170 innings, something like that? Because you would think their effectiveness would kind of wane a little bit as we get deeper into the season. And even think about a guy like Luis Severino, who does have a track record of working deep into a season, but also, you know, over the last three seasons, he's thrown 29 and two-thirds innings. You know, he already had 61 going into today, didn't pitch particularly well against Toronto. Those are things you really want to take a look at here, those guys that are getting the big innings increases, and you got two of them here in Cortez and Severino that I would worry about long-term. We'll talk about that big series, too, for them this week, because they go to the Trop. Very good pitching matchup tomorrow. McClanahan for the Rays, Cole for the Yankees. That'll be the leadoff game we talk about on the Monday card that we'll discuss a little bit later in the show in hour number two. And we talked Blue Jays as well. They Remember we did that segment called Everybody Panic. And the, the Blue Jays and their struggles with running and scoring position were one of the topics basically a month ago. And since that discussion or around there, Adam, I know since May 14th, the Blue Jays have done what? Uh, they've been great. They've been absolutely <laughs> exceptional on offense, particularly with men in scoring position. So the OG team from the regression OG report, regression they've report been team. really, really good. And obviously here today, you know, they put up a 10 spot on a very stingy Yankees pitching staff. But uh, Toronto, since May 14th, this was through uh, the games on Thursday, 365 weighted on base average, 137 WRC plus with men in scoring position. So I, we, we nailed that one, I think. I'm sure teams are going to start, teams who are struggling are going to start like sending us mail. Like, hey, I can, hope you guys, so. can you guys please start talking about us because we have to get better? I don't know. I mean, we can talk about the Cubs, Adam. I don't know how much it's really going to fix the issues going on in Chicago, but that is the other part of our aggression report, maybe to the positive. And again, it's not like this is, this is a segment saying, all right, go out and fade the Yankees every game and now go out and bet the Cubs every game. But there are some things that you think might turn around here for the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, my season win total bet is, is dead and buried at this point. I think we can, we can kind of cross that one off. They're 25 and 41 here through 66 games. But with men in scoring position, since May 14th, this is a team batting under 200 with an on-base percentage under 300 and no slugging percentage to speak of. And they're walking a lot in this situation, but their batting average on balls in play is extremely low. They've gotten a little bit unlucky here on the offensive side, I think, which kind of exacerbates the problems that they have on the pitching side because they've not gotten good pitching. The bullpen has been awful for the la- for the better part of the last month. And you know, you need to out-hit some of those mistakes and the problem for the Cubs is that they haven't been able to do that because they're not getting the high leverage hits. So, you talk about a 70 weighted runs created plus with men in scoring position, means you're 30% below league average in that split and that's just not good. And and a lot of it is 
bad luck. A lot of it is they don't have a lot of great offensive personnel, but I look for the extreme outliers to kind of regress to the mean, and that's very extreme to be that bad with men in scoring position, particularly when you're putting together good plate appearances, you're drawing walks, mm -hmm. you're just not getting results on contact. Your, what was your win total you had on the Cubs? I don't even remember. Oh. I, I've erased wow. it from my mind. You've, that bad, I pulled huh? the men in black thing the, and just kind of erased it from my mind. There are a couple books out there that hang continuous win totals. The one I'm seeing in, in the Nevada jurisdiction, Cubs over under 70. Right. I think it's 74 and a half was the number I got. Oh, all of a, a sudden, he oh, he remembers now. Now I remember. Yeah. <laughs> now he remembers. Okay. Wish, wishful thinking. You got me excited hearing it's 70 I didn't, I, live. I, I just assumed it was much higher based on what you were talking about. Anyway. I assumed the live one was a lot lower. <laughs> that, that is the case is what happens sometimes. And the teams we bet on don't do very well. All right. More aggression report. Another interesting topic coming your way next as we continue on the run line. Today. You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare before you make your next bet be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data want to know where the money and bets are moving every game the betting splits page is updated every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match the public opinion you can check out not only today's action but future events as well betting splits are another way vcin is here to make you a smarter better year-round check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com as we're back on the run line i'm ben wilson joined by adam burke from our Circus Sportsbook Studios, we nearly had a somewhat of a rough beat for first five betters as the Astros and White Sox were just kind of cruising along here. But uh, Christian Avier gets into a little bit of trouble in the top of the fifth, gives up a, a double to Luis Robert that drives in Danny Mendick with two outs in the top of the fifth, making it 2-1. This was a first five total of three and a half. Bonte's able to get out of it, and Astros win the first five under is also the bet that wins for the first five innings here of Sunday Night Baseball, and it is Houston 2, White Sox 1 right now, Adam, as we are a halfway home from Minute Maid Park. Looking at the live numbers, seeing Astros anywhere from about minus 3.70 to $4 live favorites. You see where they're at at DraftKings right now, right in the middle. Live total 6.5 now, a little juice to the under at 125. So those, those first five betters uh, had to sweat it, but it, it gets there, at least if you bet Astros or under. Yeah, only one hard-hit ball allowed by Michael Kopech in this game, and it was the home run. To the random. Matt Ishevik. Yeah. Matt Ishevik. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. You got it right. <laughs> uh, we, also can, we also encourage people, as always, send us questions if you have any for the show, and you can do that throughout the week. 
at Vison Live or at this guy's Twitter handle at Skating Tripods, which I like to mention at least once or a show. Just ben, to, ben Double Underscore Wilson. Yeah, one. yeah exactly. <laughs> or my handle as well. Uh, we but we did get a question from one of our own crew members this week, which is great because we love the interactive you know part of the show. Uh, so shout out to Oliver Trigg behind the glass who has a question uh, about the specifically the altitude you see at Coors Field and the impact that has had on teams who leave Coors Field for their next games. And we talk all the time about. Totals are higher at Coors for those specific games, but what about these teams who leave Coors? And I know you, you're not going to have a whole lot of long-term data on the, you know, the visiting teams who leave Coors just because that's, that's hard to quantify, but at least on the Rockies themselves, there are some pretty interesting splits here on, on what they do on, on, a, on a very large-term scale. And most people know, yeah, Rockies historically have been very, very bad on the road and good at home. There's no secret there, but there are some deeper numbers that would kind of help answer Oliver's question. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, for Colorado, there, there are a lot of challenges to playing at elevation. And, and they've scored 5.7 runs per game at home, and they've only scored three runs per game on the road, like 3.03 on the road. So that right there is an indicator of what it's like for them, a team that plays there all the time, and the challenges that they have going from playing at home to playing on the road. So there's a lot of things about Coors Field that make it very challenging, one of them being Pitches just don't do what you expect them to do. It's the thin air. There's not as much resistance on the baseball. So when you throw your pitches, you're used to throwing them in a certain spot at sea level. But if you throw them in that same spot going to Coors Field, they're either going to hang in the middle of the plate or they're going to wind up being balls out of the zone. So it's a really, really difficult place to pitch. It's a great place to hit. Everybody loves to hit there. It's also a big, spacious outfield. Now, when visiting teams go to Colorado... Obviously, it's a little bit difficult, right? Because mm -hmm. you know, you're a starting pitcher. You know that you're going to have to throw probably a lot more fastballs, specifically a lot more sinkers, try to keep the ball down so it doesn't get elevated. You really have to change a lot of the things that you do. So going into that next start back at sea level or somewhere else, it can still be challenging for you. You may not have a feel for your curveball. You may not have a feel for your slider or your changeup or something like that because of the adjustments you had to make to going and pitching at Coors Field. And that's why we see a lot of guys – go in there and just completely struggle because they have to change their game plan so much. So then when they go somewhere else, you know, it's kind of back to normal a little bit, which is not a good thing for hitters, but it's definitely a good thing for pitchers going on to a different destination. Right. And, and we are seeing a move tomorrow in the Padre game where you Darvish hosts Zach Davies and the Diamondbacks, but that's more you think, right? Manny Machado with, uh, with his injury today leaving again. If you're just joining us, X-rays negative on a left ankle sprain, but he's likely going to be out for the next at least few days. And so we have seen the market move here. It's still $2 at some shops, but I'm seeing it now as low as $1.73 to the Padres behind us. And so that's probably more of a injury-based move rather than a coming off of an elevation-based move. Yeah, I would say conservatively, Manny Machado is worth 20 to 25 cents to the line. I think he's just that important for what he does on both yeah. sides, both offensively and on the defensive side. And something else to consider, too, you, know, you start to develop a profile for these pitchers if you watch the market enough. And I watch the market every single day. I pay very close attention to the line moves, both the ones that happen and the ones that don't, because the ones that don't can sometimes tell you a lot more about a game. Zach Davies is a guy that the investment community does not believe in, has not believed in for a long period of time. So anytime there's a line move in his direction, on him, in his favor, it stands out to me a ton. This isn't because of belief in Zach Davies, though. This is because Manny Machado is going to be out. Interesting. Well, and we'll discuss more on all these Monday game cards more in our second hour. But we talk Rockies, and it leads into another interesting element here that's kind of a pseudo-breakoff discussion from the regression report, which is a really important uh, sort of breakdown you've looked at, Adam, that we haven't really talked about a whole lot. I know we started the season doing 
a lot of analytical metrics and discussing every single week the sabermetric report and, and which different sabermetrics and analytics stand out that are important. One thing we haven't discussed yet is league averages on the hard-hit balls that teams have, the 95-plus-mile-an-hour hard-hit balls, which you would presume, right, if you're hitting a ball really, really hard, you expect a very, very high batting average on that. So I know you did some compiling this week. You found some league averages on these. And, and then, of course, on the heels of that, which teams are way above those league averages and which teams are way, way below. So, you know, like you said, 95-plus-mile-power-batted balls are considered hard-hit. So we talk about hard-hit percentage a lot. We talk about the quality of contact that pitchers allow and also the quality of contact that hitters make. You know, that's something that's really important to this equation as well. And 95-plus miles per hour in exit velocity is the cutoff for hard hit percentage. And when you talk about 95-mile-per-hour batted ball, we're talking about a league batting average of 481 and a league slugging percentage of 934. So we're talking about batted balls that go for hits a lot and go for extreme kinds of hits, home, or home runs, doubles, triples, things of that sort. So what I like to look at from time to time is see which teams are overperforming and which teams are underperforming on that high-velocity contact, where, again, the league-wide batting average is 481. So you look at some of these teams and the Rockies, you know, going into play on Friday were the highest at 526. The Braves, 516. They were the second highest. The Padres, interestingly enough, Ooh. third at 514. The Red Sox, 512. Mariners, 511. Now, you have to put context to these numbers, right? So Colorado has a high one because at home, their batting average on 95-plus mile-per-hour batted balls is 552. On the road, it's 489. So that's a team that's just performed really, really well at home in this great hitting environment. The Braves at 516 is very interesting because not only has that one increased a lot over the last couple of weeks, they hit a lot of fly balls. So that's a team that's really starting to drive the baseball for doubles, home runs, things of that sort. You know, you look at a team like the Padres – they don't make a lot of high-velocity contact, but the high-velocity contact they have made, they've had success on. And Boston's just a really, really good lineup. Again, a very good offensive park there at Fenway Park. And when you look at the lowest, teams like the Royals, the mm -hmm. Orioles, the A's, the Tigers, right? So you got Orioles playing now a pitcher's park since they move left field back. Obviously, we know Oakland is an extreme pitcher's park. Comerica is a good park for doubles, not exactly a good park for hitting home runs. Milwaukee, another park that tends to go towards pitchers, but those are teams that don't really have a great batted ball profile. They hit a lot of weak contact. They hit a lot of ground balls. They don't really elevate the baseball as much as other teams do. So when they hit it hard, they're hitting it on the ground for the most part, or they're not driving it deep to the ballpark. So a lot of those teams that are on the low end could end up staying there just because of their level of contact quality. But I still like to look at that and sort of see teams that are maybe getting fortunate, teams that are getting unfortunate, I think the Brewers could classify as one where I think offensively their profile should be better than it is because yeah. they do make a certain level of hard contact, but they've had no luck on it. I was going to say that that is the least surprising of the, I mean, outside of the obvious teams that you laid out because of the park factors, the Brewers are, I'm not surprised at all to see them bottom five. Christian Yelich is kind of the guy, he, he's wearing the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the banner on this movement this year, and it's largely because he is, you know, he's hitting at a, I mean, his hard hit rate is nearly the highest of his career. It's 50.8%, which is tied for the second highest outside of only his MVP season when he was at about 55.5%, but ground ball rate of 55%. And so yep. he, that's the classic case. Yelich is it, and people who have been in support of him would say, well, he's hitting a lot of balls really hard. Yeah, but he's hitting a lot of scalding ground balls right at the second baseman, and that's been his issue now for a couple of seasons. So will, you know, can he figure that out specifically? I'm not sure. 
Well, other players on that on that lineup, guys like Willie Adamas, who are, who've been mired in slumps for big stretches of the year, figure that out? I would tend to say yes. Well, and the thing about Christian Yelich and the thing about hard contact that you hit on the ground is you take the value of it away. And right. especially, too, generally if you hit a hard ground ball, you're pulling it, which means you're probably pulling it into a shift. So a guy like Yelich, it's a bad batted ball profile to begin with, but next year if the shift goes away, all of a sudden his offensive profile looks completely different. So that's the thing. High velocity ground balls are not great because you typically hit them into the shift. So, you know, you wind up taking away hits and really zapping the value of making quality content. That, that is a really, really good point you make. Uh, I also, I screwed up earlier doing this update. So first five, it does hit for the Astros, but we were only in the bottom of the fifth. I was getting ahead of myself. And you know what happened? <laughs> sure enough, Michael Kopech gives up a two-run bomb to Mauricio Dubon. That's so, at Ben underscore yeah, Wilson you, underscore one to send your hate tweets. If you've bet the first five under and you lost, it's all my fault. 4-1 bottom of the fifth, Astros still batting. Hey, if you bet the Astros, you were fine, all right? At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.